one very familiar passage of Scripture today, one that probably most of us, if you've been in church any amount of time, I know you've heard the verse, very, very likely can quote it. It's a short verse. It is uh, often, often used as a scripture of comfort and peace uh, to those who may be dealing with situations. I want to take a little different approach to the scripture today than uh, perhaps the way we think of it most of the time. And... Um, I think you'll see I'm not in any way taking it out of context or misapplying it. Uh, there is, I've said many times, there is only one interpretation to any verse of Scripture, but many applications. And, um, and so I'm going to make an application here today. I'll let you be the judge as to whether it's the interpretation. Praise God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. Philippians 4 and 19. The Apostle Paul been writing to the church at Philippi and he's actually been talking to them about situations and uh, his own condition and what they have done to help him and then he puts these words here Verse number 19, he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. How many of you believe that? I hope the rest of you come to believe it before we're done this morning. Praise God. I do believe that it is the will of God that he meet all your need. The apostle uses this word of absolute guarantee when he says, but my God shall. For almost 23 years, I have stressed to you the importance of that word shall. It's a definite promise. And Paul said, my God shall. Supply all your need. Praise God. Amen. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
teach today from this subject, all your need. All your need. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost in this place. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord. Let's ask him to speak to our hearts today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I need your touch. I need your help. I thank you for the presence of the Lord that I feel even now. Master, I am asking you that you would speak to hearts. Lord, not only the hearts of those that are present right now, but those who may listen. Lord, once this is recorded, those who may be listening online even as we're praying, I'm asking you to grant enlightenment, Lord God, to grant revelation. Jesus, we ask, O oh Lord, speak to us, talk to us today, help us to understand and to grasp what you're promising us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we worship the Lord together, everybody? Let's worship him. Let's praise him for just a moment. Can we do that? Ah, yeah. I feel the spirit of the Lord here today. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I... I um, think it is safe to say that it is part of our human condition that we want to try to figure out how to fix our problems. Now, you know, uh, that, that's, that's a generic statement. And there are some people that, for whatever reason, don't seem to care. They got problems and they don't care. And they just, you know, let things go and they don't care. But, but I think for most folks, if there's a situation that we're facing, it is a natural tendency for us to want to know how to fix it. Um, I, we, we can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and see this to be the case. Genesis chapter 3 verses 7 through 10, when Eve uh, took of that forbidden fruit and then gave it to Adam and he ate of it. Here's what happened. Genesis 3 verses 7 through 10. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And so here we see very clearly, the minute they sinned, they were made aware of a condition that had to be dealt with. And they start looking for ways to fix the problem. How are we going to deal with this? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this problem? And, and, and the Bible says that they sewed fig leaves together. And, and made aprons for themselves. I'm going to fix this, Brother Hilton. I, I'm going to, I've got a problem here, and I'm going to find a way to fix it. That's human nature. It's the way 
it has always been. Of course, God knew they had a problem. And God knew that they were not going to be able to fix it the way it needed to be fixed. Now, they might be able to provide a little cover, but it's not going to be acceptable. And it's not really going to deal with the problem. Can, can I tell you today, and this is conjecture, and I've, I've promised you uh, for the last two decades plus, I've promised you that when it was my opinion, I would always just tell you, this is my opinion. So this is my opinion. My opinion is that in the beginning, Adam and Eve were clothed in the glory of God. But the moment they sinned, God's glory departed. And now they're exposed. And so they tried to provide some kind of substitute. But it wasn't good enough. It wasn't sufficient. They made aprons. God made coats. They made aprons out of leaves. You know what happens to leaves after a while. God made coats out of animal skins. God provided them with something that would cover them much more thoroughly. I don't know how he did it. And I've said this before and will no doubt come back, especially in our Tuesday night sessions. I know a lot of folks make the the assumption that God killed animals to provide them with the skins. And that's very possible. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. But uh, I think there is the possibility that God did indeed slay some animals. Because when his glory departed, the only thing now that's going to be sufficient for a covering, it's going to require blood. Now, there was much more to this. And again, we'll get into this in our Tuesday night session. I'm just telling you, God was not happy, not just with the, the fact that it was fig leaves. God was not happy with the fact that it was aprons. When you really get to looking at what God made, what he provided them with, the coats, the the, the Hebrew word there is a full-length garment. They just, you know what an apron is. That's not a whole lot of covering. God said, no, 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 we're going to really fix this problem. My point is this, that when we as human beings try to solve the problems, we always come up short. We don't have the ability to fix it like God can fix it. Well, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, this has been the driving force, the motivating factor, even behind many, if not all, of man's discoveries, man's inventions. They're always trying to find a cure for a problem. How can we solve this? Of course, sometimes man's cure is worse then the problem. What man comes up with to try to fix a situation sometimes makes the situation worse. 
God fixes it. My friend, it's fixed. God knows how to do it. Not only, as I said, has this desire to fix our problems been the factor, the driving force for discoveries and inventions, it has also been the driving force and the motivating factor behind some of men's worst failures and atrocities. You know, in, in Nazi Germany, they claimed they were doing all these experiments on the Jews to learn how to better take care of their own people. And they performed a number of atrocious things on these folks, all in the name of trying to find solutions. I'm just telling you, church, when man gets involved in trying to fix our problems, we only make matters worse. We make matters worse. Amen. Praise God. And so God had a solution. Amen. And he made them coats of skins and he clothed them. Amen. And so we've got to learn what Adam learned. And, and that is exactly what Paul told the church at Philippi. Let's read our text again. Philippians 4 and, and verse 19. Read that for me again. But my God shall supply. My God shall supply all your, all need, your need according to, according his, riches to his riches and glory, riches by, Christ and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, you don't have to try to solve your problems. God is able and willing to supply every need that we face. Well, I wish more of you believed that. He, I, think, I don't think there's any problem, any of us believing that God's able. I think every one of us would say amen. To the fact that God is able where we struggle is whether or not he's willing right we've talked about this many times we, we oftentimes use this old Pentecostal really cop out well if it's his will he'll heal me if it's his will and I understand I understand what you're saying but I'm going to tell you and it's not always a cop out but I, I believe most of the time it is most of the time, it's our way of covering for the fact that we don't really have the faith that he will. And so we're finding for ourselves an out. And really what we're doing is we're taking the blame off of us and putting it on God. Well, I didn't get what I needed because it wasn't God's will. When that's the very reason why he took the stripes on his back. By his stripes, we are what? By his stripes. So you mean to tell me he went through all of that only to say it's not my will that you get healed. I have a hard time reconciling that. Now, are there times that God has a different plan? Absolutely. If that was not the case, we would live forever. 
There are times God has a different plan, but I'm telling you, we ought as the people of God to see that as the exception rather than the rule. We see it as the rule. And once in a while, God grants an exception and heals us. And it's really the other way around. It is the will of God that we be healed. And there are sometimes exceptions. Uh, You know what? I didn't really even come here to talk about healing today. In fact, you'll see that as I really get into this lesson. But I just feel like talking about what I'm talking about right now. I'm just telling you, church, our faith needs to rise to the occasion. And we need to understand God desires to be our healer. God gets glory out of healing his people. He does. He gets glory out of healing his people. Praise God. And we ought to, I really believe we ought to spend our time not praying, Lord, if it's your will, heal. I think we ought to just say, God, heal. Until he says, it's not my will. Well, praise God. All right, that's off the subject. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that another time. But there is something about this verse that I want you to look at here that maybe you didn't realize. Read, read that for me again. Philippians 4.19. But my God, but my God shall, supply shall supply all your need. All your needs. It didn't say needs, did it? It's singular. Well, you know, I've often taught on the fruit of the Spirit because I hear people speak of the fruits, and I mentioned this just the other night, but, but I hear people speak of the fruits of the Spirit, but that's not what Paul said. He said the fruit of the, not the fruits of the Spirit are, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Singular. And so is this, but my God shall supply all your need. Singular. Now, now look, I'm I'm here to tell you today that really, I know that there are many needs. In fact, in this building, in this sanctuary, in this service, if we took a survey and everyone was just totally transparent, there are many, many needs present in this place right now. But here's what I'm telling you, that based on the words of the Apostle Paul, we need to really sort all of this out and come back to this. There is one thing that above all else we really need. There is one need. Jesus Jesus really referred to this as well. Luke chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing. Now wait, but one thing is is needful. needful. There's only one thing that's really needful. Right. You got a lot of things that you're letting weigh you down, Martha. 
You got a lot of things you're worried about. But there's really only one thing that's needful. All the rest of it, you know, it, it'll, we, we, we'll work on all that. We, we can deal. But Martha, there's one thing that's really needful. And Mary chose that good part. And that will not be taken away from her. Now you do understand what that means. Because Martha's saying, Lord, tell her to get up. And get in here and help me. And Jesus said, I'm not taking away from her the one thing that's needful. That's what he's saying. There's one thing that is really necessary. One thing that is needful. And, and this, this word needful is the exact same Greek word that Paul used when he said, God shall supply all your need. Same word. To Martha, Jesus said the one thing that Mary chose. She chose to seek after him. And Martha was cumbered with everything else. Concerned about all of the other responsibilities and duties. But Jesus said there's really only one thing that you ought to be Focused on, there's one thing that you really need, amen. And Mary is doing that, she's seeking after me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. He again, though he doesn't say it in these words, he really tells us, he really puts it, boils it all down in these verses and, and tells us again. Read, read for me. Matthew chapter 6, and uh, starting with verse number 24. No man can serve two masters. Can't serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, uh -huh. or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. So don't worry about your life. What you shall eat. What you're going to eat. What you shall drink. What you're going to drink. Or yet for your body. For your body. What you shall put what on. What you're going to wear. Is not the life because more life than meat. Because life is more than meat. And the body more than And your raiment. body is more than your clothing. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Birds don't plant. Neither do they reap. They don't Nor reap. gather into barns. They don't harvest. Yet your heavenly Father and feedeth yet them. God takes care of those things. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? You can't, you can't even add one cubit to and, your stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Why, why are you worried about the way you're clothed? Consider the lilies Consider of the field, the lilies. how they grow. They grow. They toil not. They don't work. Neither do they spin. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they, they don't sew anything together. They don't, they're, they're not manufacturing linens. And yet I say unto you, and yet I tell you that even Solomon, even Solomon in all of his glory, glory was not arrayed wasn't like one clothed of these. the way God clothes the lilies. Wherefore, if God so clothed if the grass God of the field, clothes the grass of the field, which today which is, today is and tomorrow is tomorrow's cast, into, cast the oven, into the oven, shall he not much shall more he not much you? more clothe you, O ye of o little ye faith? Therefore, take no Therefore, thought, saying, what shall we eat? Quit worrying about what you're going to eat. Or what shall we drink? Or what you're going to drink. Or, or what you're going to wear. 
For after all these because things, that's what seek. all the other nations worry about. For your heavenly Father but your knoweth. Father knows that, need that of all these, these are things. things that are part of your human condition. He knows that that need is there. He knows. He's well aware of it. Read. But seek, but ye, seek first ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Now, don't forget that. We're going to come back to that. Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. God's just going to take care of the rest of it. If you'll find the one thing that is needful, if you'll focus on the one need, God will take care of everything else. He'll work it all out. Read. Take therefore no thought. So for don't worry about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Yeah, this is a little difficult reading this last statement. But basically, here's what he's saying. You got enough problems today. Quit adding tomorrow's problems to today. Just get through today. And you know what we need today more than anything else, church? I know some of you may be looking at some past due bills. You may be looking at situations and you're thinking, how are we going to do this? How am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to, you've got all these things. But I'm going to tell you, if you give God what he's looking for today, God will take care of you when you get to tomorrow. Focus on right now. What is it? That you need right now. What is it you need right now? You know what you need? You need more of God. That's what you need. And you get more of God. And God will give you more of the other things. Well hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus said that's the one thing we ought to seek. Now, let's, let's go back and look at verse 33 again for just a minute because I want to I point something out to you here. Read. But seek ye first seek the kingdom first, of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And his righteousness. Now that sounds like there's two things we ought to be seeking. All these things shall be added unto but, you. But it's not two things. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. Now what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Romans 14 and 17 tells us what the kingdom of God is. So the kingdom of, the God, kingdom of God is not, meat, it's and not drink, meat and drink. But righteousness. Do, do you see how this ties into what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Do you see the connection? He said don't worry about meat. Don't worry about drink. Quit worrying about the temporal things. Focus on the kingdom. And now Paul comes along and says, let me tell you what the kingdom is. First of all, here's what it's not. It's not meat and drink. It's not the temporal things. That's not the kingdom. But what is the kingdom? Righteousness. It's righteousness. And peace. And peace. And joy and in the Holy joy Ghost. in the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom, what is the kingdom? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom. Yes, 
So when he said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that's, that's not two different things. All right. Come on, we're oneness people. We, we know there are scriptures that mention father and son, and we don't see that as two different individuals. And so we understand when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We understand how that righteousness comes. If we're seeking after what the kingdom of God is, then it's going to include righteousness and peace and joy. But it comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. I submit to you. That there is one thing we need. Oh, I feel this this morning. There's one thing, Brother Hilton, that we really need. There's a lot of things we want. There's a lot of things we desire. There's a lot of things we crave. There's a lot of things that would make life easier on us. But saints of God, there's one thing that we need. We don't need better jobs. All right. Oh, that'd make it nice. We don't need a pay raise. That'd make it nice. Hello? All right. Now, listen to me, church. I'm serious about this. I know we look at everything in terms of that. Boy, if I could just get a pay raise, if I could just find a better job, my life would be easier. No, it won't. Right. Because that's not the solution. I'm telling you, I've watched it many times. Folks get a pay raise, and somehow all of their expenses go up too. And it didn't fix one thing. That's, you know what that is? That's an apron. Yeah, exactly. It's an apron. It's a quick fix, but it doesn't solve the problem. You've just put a Band-Aid on a cancer. For the saints of God, there's one thing we ought to be seeking. There's one thing we ought to be concerned about. We need to be seeking the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you what we need. I said it the last few weeks, but I'm here just to reiterate it this morning and to drive that nail as deep into this two by four as I can. I want to tell you what we really need. We just need more Holy Ghost. We need more Holy Ghost. We need more Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul said, my God shall supply all your, not needs, but God will give you the one thing you need. Now, again, he had just been commending the Philippians for how they'd taken care of things, how they'd given, how they'd done all these things. And and he said, you're doing everything that's right. And now let me just tell you, God's going to give you what you really need. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. Paul was not promising them better jobs or more finances or bigger homes. Paul was not promising them prosperity. Paul was saying, I'm going to tell you what, you just get ready. The Holy Ghost is on its way, Philippi. The Holy Ghost is coming. God's going to give you what you need. Because you've been doing what God wants you to do. 
fact, let's look at this. Put it, put it back up there. Philippians 4.19. Look at it. I want to show you something. I just saw this. Um, ah, what day was it? Friday. I was studying, preparing for today. And, and, and I, I, I had, I, in all the years that I've even preached from this verse, I'd never seen this. And this, you know, I know my mind thinks in strange ways sometimes. I know that. I know the things that really interest me in scriptures. Sometimes I get so excited about it and other folks look at it and say, okay. Um, so this may not turn your crank. I don't know, but, but um, look at this. But my God, oh, you're supposed to be reading. But my God yeah. shall, supply shall supply all your need. All your need. According to according, his riches and glory. Now, now, now look, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. Now, this is what I found so interesting. He's going to supply your need. How? According to his riches in glory. Now, the word, the Greek word that's translated in can actually be translated more than one way. And, and, and the only way you can really determine how it needs to be translated is by the context. You just have to look at it and see, well, how, what's he writing about? And so at that point, it becomes pretty much left up to the translator to decide which word is the correct definition for this Greek word. All right, now hang with me for a minute. But you can, you can translate this Greek word in. You can also translate it with. You can translate it by. In fact, look at the verse again. He'll supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The word in and the word by are the exact same Greek word. So the translators had to try to decide which to put where. But I want to throw something out for your consideration here this morning. I, I, I don't know of any reason why this verse could not have more accurately been translated. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches by glory in Christ Jesus. All right. Here's how he's going to do it. By the glory that's in Christ Jesus. What is the glory that we find in Christ Jesus? Well, let's let Peter define that for us. First Peter 1 and 8. Whom I hope I'm not, not throwing you a big curveball this morning, but I like this. Yes. First Peter 1 and 8. Read. Having, whom having not whom seen, having not seen you, love. you love. In whom? In whom though now though you, now you see him, him not, not yet, believing. yet believing. You, you rejoice, rejoice with joy with unspeakable. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And full of, when we talk about joy unspeakable and full of glory, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Ghost, aren't we? That's what Peter said. He said, you, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Amen. Even though right now you don't see him, you believe in him. And he said, I'm telling you why we rejoice. Because of the joy unspeakable and full of glory. This experience that he has put within us is what causes us to rejoice. When, when Paul said he's going to supply all your need. 
according to his riches by the glory in Christ Jesus. This is how he does it. I'm going to tell you how he supplies the one need that we have as the people of God. He just gives us more Holy Ghost. We need more Holy Ghost. Come on, saints of God. I'm telling you, this is how it happens. If we can really get it in our minds, I got to have more Holy Ghost. Before this day starts today, I got to have more Holy Ghost. Before I set foot on the job, I got to have more Holy Ghost. Before I walk into the school, I got to have more Holy Ghost. Before I deal with folks, I got to have more Holy Ghost. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is our need. And church, if we'll get more Holy Ghost, God will take care of everything else that's going on. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. He said it's joy. What? Unspeakable. The joy is so great, you don't have the words in your language to express it. So how do we express it? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were filled with the the Holy Ghost Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. other, Other languages. It's just not the words for me to express the kind of joy God gives when I get that feeling and that experience all over again. Not just the first time it happened, but every time it happens. I don't have the words to tell you how glorious this gift is. I don't have the words to tell you how exciting this experience is. So you know what God does? He comes in and gives me his words. Huh? Yes, sir. And I start expressing this joy in ways that I don't even know what it means. Hey, in fact, what was it that the Christ, this is not in your notes, but in Acts chapter 2, when they started hearing them speak in tongues, what was it they were saying? Do you have to look that up? When the crowd was standing there amazed, and heard them speaking in tongues. What did they hear them saying? They were speaking in their own tongue. What were they speaking? You need to look it up. All right. Hallelujah. This is Acts chapter 2. Is that where you're at? Because that's where you're going to find it. All right. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. So in Acts chapter 2. Um, go down to verse uh, 11. Read. Cretes and Arabians. Yeah, so you didn't have to look very far. I told you where the answer was. <laughs> we do hear them speak in our own tongues. We our do tongues. hear them speak in our tongues what? The wonderful works of God. That's what they were saying. They were talking about how wonderful this experience was. They were talking about how glorious this newfound baptism of the Holy Ghost was they weren't just saying words right in fact there are those out there that don't believe in speaking in tongues that'll try to convince you the apostles were preaching the gospel to these people no that's not what they were doing right they didn't have to have tongues to preach the gospel these were all Jews all of them spoke Hebrew 
Peter wasn't speaking 16 different languages when he got up and addressed the crowd. And he didn't have 15 interpreters translating for him. He stood up before those Jews and spoke the language of the Jews. And they all understood. They weren't speaking in tongues to preach the gospel. They were speaking in tongues because it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. God said you don't have the ability to really express what I'm doing in your life when I come and fill you up. Oh, I wish somebody else felt what I'm feeling right now. God says you just don't even have enough vocabulary to get it out what's going on on the inside when I fill you up with my spirit. So I'm just going to take control of your tongue and I'm going to speak for a little while and I'm going to let you testify as to how good it is hallelujah I heard I heard I heard about a up in Canada a, a man who spoke only French walking in to an English service and a young lady was there and I mean the Holy Ghost was moving. She just got lost in the Holy Ghost. And, and she was sitting right in front of this Frenchman. And she was just speaking in tongues with everything that was in her. And, and, and after the service, uh, the pastor went back to greet the Frenchman. And the Frenchman, uh, the pastor evidently knew some French. But, but uh, they, they tried to converse. And the Frenchman asked about who is this girl. And, and, uh, and she was speaking fluent French. And he said, well, she doesn't know any French. And, and he said, well, I, I'm telling you, he said, she just kept saying over and over, there's a river flowing out of me. There's a river flowing out of me. There's a river flowing out of me. That's what the Holy Ghost is. We're not talking about a few little goosebumps now and then. We're talking about something that gets down on the inside of you. Oh, come on, saints of God. I'm telling you, I know, I know that when I started preaching from Philippians 4.19, some of you had hopes that I was going to come along and say, well, God's going to provide you with your financial miracle. God's going to give you what you've been praying for. Well, I'm going to tell you, he will if you'll start praying for what he wants you to pray for. If you'll start praying, God, I want more Holy Ghost. I want more Holy Ghost. He'll take care of everything else. He promised that he would. He said that he would. Hallelujah. And we could go on. I could, I could uh, you know, Acts 10, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. Acts 19, they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. And I know that we know that. But I don't know if we really understand why we're doing it. Hallelujah. It's joy unspeakable. For us, we can't express it in our native language. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, church, receiving more of the Holy Ghost really meets every need we have. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about just getting it one time. I'm talking about over and over and over. And as we identify situations in our life, I want to try to take you for the next few moments, I want to try to take you through some situations and show you how the real answer is Holy Ghost. That's the real answer. 
All right, so let's, let's, let's start here. Um, in, in Acts chapter 2, that's where we were, so let's, let's go back. Uh, Acts chapter 2, we, we find the crowd looking with amazement and wonder, and they think that everybody is, is inebriated, and they're trying to analyze what's going on. Acts 2, verses 12 and 13, read. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. What does all this mean? And others are saying, oh, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. Peter said, no, no, I'm not going to just stand by and let these accusations go unanswered. I want to tell you something. So let's read on, beginning with verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice. Lifted up his voice. Said... Ye men of Judea, uh-huh. and, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, right. be this known unto you, and hearken to my word. Listen to what I've got to say. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This is what your prophets said would come. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your sons daughters, and shall, daughters prophesy. shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Yes. And your old men shall dream dreams. Yes. And on my servants and on mine handmaids, I will pour out, pour in, my, out in those days, in of, those my spirit, days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. They're going to prophesy. And so then Peter preached to the crowd about the one who had just been in their midst, concluding the Uh, concluding his sermon with the statement that they had crucified the Lord. Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus Jesus whom you have crucified, crucified, both both Lord and Christ. Now, they've got a real problem on their hands. What a predicament that puts them in. We crucified our Messiah. And so the question they ask is the only real question they could ask. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they, heard they were this, pricked in their heart. Pricked in their heart. Sent into Peter and to the Peter. rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we do? We got a problem. We've crucified Messiah. We've committed a horrible sin. How are we going to fix it? Right? Isn't that what they're asking? How are we going to fix it? We got a problem. We got to find a solution. So what's the solution, Peter? Read verse 38. Then Peter said, then unto, Peter them, said to them, Repent, repent and be baptized, be baptized every one of you every in the, name, you, of Jesus in the Christ, name of Jesus for Christ of for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive and the gift of the Holy shall. Ghost. I think I pointed this out to you last week. The question was, what shall we do? He said, you shall receive the Holy Ghost. There's some things you got to do to prepare yourself to receive it. But the answer to the problem is you need the Holy Ghost. What shall we do? Receive the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you in every situation, not just when we're sinners trying to find salvation, but after we've come to God in every situation, if we'll sit down and say, what shall we do? I'm here to tell you the same answer is still true. Pray until you receive the Holy Ghost again. Get a fresh baptism of this glorious experience. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
You say, is that going to solve my problem? I'll tell you what it's going to do. It's going to take away the anxiety and the worry and the fear. It's going to give you peace and joy. Well, all right, let's go through some things here. I got to do this. Got to do this quickly. Chapter three, chapter three of Acts. We find Peter and John confronted with the dilemma of what does this beggar need? This man's a beggar. and We got to deal with this. There's a problem here. How are we going to fix this problem? So let's read Acts chapter three, verses two and three. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. So, help me. Please give me money. Homeless. Helpless. He's got his cardboard sign. He's right at the busy intersection. He's at the gate of the temple. I mean, that's the busiest intersection for the Jews. Right? I mean, he's, he's right on the corner of Main Street here. He's, this is it. This is the focal point. Every good Jew is going to pass by where he's sitting. He's got his little tin cup. And he's got his sign. And he's got his sad face on. I need help. Please help. And Peter proved that he was an apostolic preacher. In verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. That's as apostolic a preacher as I can find anywhere. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have. But he said, I'll tell you what. I don't have what you're asking for, but I do have what you need. Now, isn't it interesting that Peter did not say, you know, John, we really need to start a soup kitchen. Uh, you know, why don't we get the other disciples together and let's see if we can fix some food and help these folks. Let's provide them with a meal today. And let's, you know, let's, let's get a little uh, clothing pantry here where we can hand out clothes to the needy. Now that's, that's so much of the church world today. It, it's all about social issues. In fact, we call it, They're preaching a social gospel. Let's feed the hungry. Let's clothe the naked. I'm not preaching against those things. But I'm just telling you that's not the focus and purpose of the church. We are not here to be a goodwill agency. Peter said, I don't have what you're asking for, but I do have what you need. And I'm going to give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, he said, such as I have, such as I have. Hello? Such as I have. What did Peter 
have. Well, let's go to chapter 4, verse 8, when he is being called in question for this very miracle. Then Peter, when the, hang on, when the rulers of the Jews are angry for what just took place, and they've got Peter standing in front of them, the Bible tells us what Peter had. Acts 4 and 8. Then Peter, then Peter filled, with the, Holy filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what he had. I'm convinced, church, I don't believe that the man just got a healing. I don't believe he just got a healing because Peter said, such as I have. I'm going to give you what I've got. I just got a feeling when he reached out his hand, Brother Nelson, and he took that. There's a reason why this man is running and leaping. Not just because his feet and ankle bones have received strength, but I think something else has happened on the inside. Peter said, I don't have what you're looking for, but I do have the one thing you need. You know what's the answer to your problem? You need the Holy Ghost. That's what you need. Listen to me, listen to me. And I don't want to be misunderstood. And I know folks can take these kinds of recordings and twist things any which way. I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I do care. I do have compassion. But I'm just telling you that we are not solving people's problems if all we're doing is putting food in their belly and a shirt on their back. They need more than that. They need the spirit in their soul. That's what they need. They need something more. Amen. I'm telling you the answer for hopelessness and homelessness is not a soup kitchen. It's the Holy Ghost. I can't tell you how many people I've watched come to God that were in abject poverty when they came into the church but something about living for God something about serving God something about being full of the Holy Ghost all of a sudden things start to change and their life starts coming together and they finally they're in a home they're driving cars I've watched it on the other hand where you go and give people things they spend the rest of their life still in need. It hasn't solved the problem. But if we can get them in the church and get them full of the Holy Ghost and get them staying full of the Holy Ghost, well, praise God. A few verses later, the disciples are facing fear and intimidation. Verse 18, chapter 4. We're just... Going through the book of Acts here and just showing you the answer, the answer to the sin problem, Holy Ghost, the answer to, to the helplessness and, and, and the physical situations. And it, it's Holy Ghost. And now here the disciples are facing fear and intimidation. Acts 4, verse 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach nor teach in the name of Jesus. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened, further them, threatened them, they let them go. Let them go. Finding nothing how they might punish them. They didn't have any way to just punish them, so they threatened them. Because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. So here are the disciples facing threat. We're going to deal with you. You're going to regret this. You keep doing what you're doing. You keep getting out there and telling people about this. You keep getting out there and sharing this. We're going to deal with you. Now look, they, they had a lot of authority. 
There was a whole lot that that Jewish Sanhedrin could do. Right? I mean, they're the ones that authorized Paul to go and imprison the Christians. Even having some of them put to death. Sanhedrin had a lot of authority. And now they're telling the disciples, you shut your mouths and you don't talk to anybody about this. Now, look, if you want to tell me, well, that wouldn't have bothered me. Um, How can I say this nicely? If it doesn't concern you, I don't consider that brave. I consider it ignorant. It's kind of like these, these snake handlers out in Kentucky. Just a few months ago, I don't know how many of you realized there was a pastor out there nearly died handling a rattlesnake, and, and it, it bit him. It almost severed one of his main arteries in his neck. And uh, they barely got into the hospital in time. And he's showing up, i got faith, i got faith. That's not faith. When I say it's ignorance, I'm being kind. I've told you there's a difference between ignorance and stupidity. There is. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge. Stupidity is the lack of ability to gain knowledge. In other words, someone who's stupid cannot learn. Someone who's ignorant just hasn't learned. But the sad thing about this man is his dad just a year or so ago was the pastor of that church and died from a rattlesnake bite. So to me, we're kind of going beyond the level of ignorance. You can just take it from there, all right? I'm telling you, if, if the Sanhedrin, if, if, the, if the authorities threatening you doesn't at least give you pause... I don't see that as bravery. You talk to any of our military men that have been out there in battle and you say, oh, you're so brave. And they're telling you, look, when we're out there, we're just doing what we got to do. I've read where they've interviewed them and said, but weren't you scared? And they said, absolutely we're scared. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to press on through the midst of fear. I'm just telling you, it intimidated these disciples. They're they're feeling the pressure of what's going on right now. And they got to deal with it. So what's the answer? How do I deal with this? Well, we're at verse 21. Let's go to verse 31. And when they had prayed. When they had prayed. Prayed. The place was the shaken, place was where, they shaken were where they were assembled together. And they were all, and they filled, were with all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake, and the, word they of God spake with the word of God with boldness. I'm going to tell you how they dealt with their fear, how they dealt with their intimidation. They didn't sit around and devise a plan of how they could be sneaky about it. They said, we're going to God and we're going to ask God to empower us. And when God gave them the Holy Ghost, then all of a sudden they were able to do what they needed to do the answer to their intimidation and fear they needed more Holy Ghost in fact we dealt with this last week but that's one of the whole purposes for receiving the Holy Ghost Acts 1 and 8 we we read it last week but you shall receive power but you shall receive power after after that the Holy Holy Ghost Ghost has come upon you and and you you shall be witnesses unto me this is one of the reasons the Holy Ghost comes in the first place 
And I'm telling you, when we get to a place that we're afraid or embarrassed or intimidated to tell others, it's a sure sign. Our Holy Ghost dipstick is showing we're a few quarts low. Well, praise God. You go back and get full again, and then you're not afraid. Well, you're not worried about it. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. All right. Amen. Look, let, let me show you. Let's, let's, let's leave the book of Acts. Let's look at a few other things here. I want to tell you, first of all, you don't need lessons in winning friends and influencing people to be a good soul winner. You really don't have to enroll in Dale Carnegie's course. I know some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. You know, I know that really shows how old I am. But anyhow, you, you, don't, you don't have to have that to be a soul winner. You know what you need to be a soul winner? You need Holy Ghost. You need Holy Ghost. You need Holy Ghost. You get out there full of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will help you win souls. Well, praise God. All right, let's look at something else. If you're confused, what's the answer? I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to take. But you want to know the answer? Look at John chapter 16, verse 13. Howbeit, when he, when he, the spirit, the of, spirit truth, of truth, is come, he will guide you into all guide truth. you into all truth. For he shall not speak of He's himself. He's not going to speak of himself. Whatsoever whatever he shall hear, that, shall that he speak. shall speak. And he will show he'll you, things show you the things to come. I'm telling you, Brother Hilton, when I don't know what direction to take, when I don't know what path I ought to follow, you know what I need to do? I just need some more Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost will lead me. All right. The Holy Ghost will guide me. Yeah. Well, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I'm depressed, preacher. I'm just really depressed. I'm really feeling down. Well, I want to tell you what the answer is. John 14, verses 26 and 27. But the comforter. I'm trying to hurry here. Amen. Is, the comforter. Which is the, which Holy, is the Ghost, Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will, send, the in Father will send in my name. He's going to teach you all things. Bring all things. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever, whatever I've said to you. To you. Peace. I leave Peace. You. I leave with you. My peace, my I, give peace unto I give unto you. Not as the world, not as the world gives. Give I give unto you. Let not, let your, heart not your heart be troubled. Neither, neither let, let it be afraid. afraid. How are you going to keep your heart from being troubled and afraid? You get more Holy Ghost. Yes. I'm telling you, the first sign of depression, the answer, Holy Ghost. Lord, let me get full of the Holy Ghost. Baptize me, Jesus. Fill me up again. And he promised he would bring peace. Yes. And that our hearts would not be troubled. Right. Well, carnal, struggling with your flesh? What's the answer? Romans 8, verses 7 and 9. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Yeah. So then they that are in the flesh, so they that are in the flesh, please God. can't please God. But so what's the answer, the Paul? You're not in the flesh. 
but in the spirit. But in the spirit. If so be, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man, have if not any man the doesn't have Christ, the spirit, he's none he of, his. None of I'm his. I'm telling you, here's the answer. You're struggling with carnality. Your flesh is still alive. You know what you need to do? Find an altar. Lord, I need more Holy Ghost. Right. I need this flesh to die and the spirit to live. This is the answer. We just need more Holy Ghost. We need more Holy Ghost. Amen. Somebody said, you know, I just can't stand so-and-so. Boy, I just, I'm telling you, I'm trying my best. Or I've actually heard people say, well, I love them, but I don't like them. There's an answer for that. There's an answer for that. Oh, I just, I can't stand them. I can't, I'm telling you, there's just something I just can't, I, I just, there's an answer for that. Romans 5 and 5. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is the shed abroad. The love of God is shed, shed abroad, abroad in, our hearts, in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, by which is given the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. I'm telling you, when there's somebody you don't love or you don't like, there's a way to get that fixed. Hey, you say, well, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they've hurt me. Let me ask you something. How did you hurt God when you're living in sin? What did you do to him? Well, do you know it was your sin that nailed the Lord to the tree? He didn't die for his sin. He died for yours. So you want to talk about somebody doing someone bad? We did him worse than anybody's ever done us. I know Brother Nelson's got some stitches on his forehead, but it's not from a crown of thorns. He got crowned, but it wasn't by thorns. <laughs> and I don't see any nail prints in anybody's palms today. If you got a scar on your side, it's because some surgery you had, not because somebody took a sword to you. Are you hearing me? Nobody's done you as dirty and as wrong and as evil as we did the Lord. And yet, you know what? He loves us. He loves us. In spite of how we've done him, he loves us. And then you know what? He brought us in. He cleaned us up. He filled us with the Holy Ghost. And you know what we've done since then? Time and again, oh, you can act as sanctimonious as you want to. You can polish your halo and feather up your wings and strum your heart, but I'm telling you, everybody that's received the Holy Ghost at some point, you've gone right back and done things you know you shouldn't have done. And yet, what's God's response? I love you. You say, well, I just can't do that. You're right. So that's why we let his love be shed abroad in our hearts. When I can't love somebody, I need more of God's love so he can love them through me. And how do I get his love? Through the Holy Ghost. Well, I hope you're getting what I'm telling you. Listen, I, I told you the title of this whole lesson is All Your 
need. There is one need that we have for whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, the answer is always the same. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I got a couple more, and then we'll have a few minutes for an altar call here, but drawn to the world? There's still an allure out there? It's still pulling at you? You're still tempted by things you shouldn't want? Tempted to go places you shouldn't be? To look at things you shouldn't see? Listen to things you shouldn't hear? Say things that should never come across your lips? Is that pull still there? There's an answer. There's an answer. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, now, did you see what John just said? If you love the world, there's a reason why. It's because God's love is not in you. We just read how you get God's love. So if you love the world, there's an answer. I need more Holy Ghost. The minute the world starts drawing at you in ways it shouldn't, I'm telling you what's going on. Your Holy Ghost is running low. Well, praise God. Amen. I've seen it time and again. You let people really start getting full of the Holy Ghost, really start getting amen, to that place God wants them to be, and all of a sudden there's things they say, you know, I just don't care about that anymore. I'm just not even interested in that anymore. You know what's happening? The love of God is filling up their hearts. This is what we need, church. This is the one thing we need. Worried about death? Worried about what's going to happen after? You've drawn your final breath? Let me tell you how you can have an assurance. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Here's how we're getting up out of this world. If the Holy Ghost is in us, then we're going to join in that resurrection. And I'm telling you what, if I can die full of the Holy Ghost, I've said it before. I really hope, I really pray that when I die, I die speaking in tongues. That's my dream. That's, my, that's what I want to do. Well, hallelujah. I, 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 want, I want to die with the Lord just filling me up with the Holy Ghost one more time. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, there's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. No matter what the problem is, no matter what you're dealing with, the answer to your situation is you need more Holy Ghost. Let's stand this morning. And we dealt with this last week, but I think it's good to close with this verse. If you want it today. If you just want more of it today, God's not going to refuse you. Luke 11, verses 9 through 13. And I say unto you, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Mm -hmm. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Right. And he, and he that seeketh findeth. Right. And to him, him that knocketh, knocketh it shall be opened. Yeah. If his son shall ask bread son. of him. 
asks bread of any of you that is a father, father, will he give you a, give father, him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, he asks for a fish. Will he for a fish give him a serpent? Will, will, will his dad hand him a snake? Or if he shall ask an egg, if will he, he offer him a scorpion? Egg, is he going to give him a scorpion? If then, then he says, if you then being evil, being evil. Know how know to give how good gifts to unto your children. Gifts to your children. How much more how shall your heavenly Father? more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, the Holy to, them that Spirit to them that ask Him? I'm here to tell you today. There is no reason why He won't give you more Holy Ghost if you really want it. And I'm telling you today, if it's been a while since you've got, I've been saying this for weeks now, and, and I'm just going to keep on harping on it. I'm going to keep on going as long as I feel God wants me to say it. I'm telling you, if it's been a while since you spoke in tongues, you don't need to leave this place today without being full of the Holy Ghost again. It's the one thing you need. It's the one thing you really need. I should be getting a lot more amens after teaching for an hour and a half. I ought to be getting a whole lot more amens. The Holy Ghost is the one thing that you really need. God will take care of everything else if you'll just start seeking more Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, when those worries start overcoming you, when you feel like you are drowning in a sea of sorrow, just get lost in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so these altars are open today. And I think everybody ought to be asking God for some more Holy Ghost. I want 